Hello and welcome to Triathlete Live. My name is Emma Kate Lidberry, your host and managing editor here at Triathlete Magazine. This is a recording of our live show with Heather Jackson, presented by Tonal, so you'll hear me asking Heather questions as they came in from our live audience. Our apologies for the technical difficulties with the audio in some places. Nevertheless, it was a great chat and we talked all about her recent race at the PTO Championships in Daytona, Florida, her plans for the off-season, some of her gravel racing and plans for next year, and how she's worked on her run this year, despite there being very few races. Now, this is a live show that we host every month, hosted over on our Facebook page, so keep an eye out on our Facebook channel for details of the next show in January so that you can join and ask your questions. All of that after a quick word from our sponsors. Tonal is the world's smartest home gym. With customizable workouts and programs, Tonal adapts to you so you can be stronger. Train with six-time Ironman world champion Mark Allen for off-season and in-season performance. Try Tonal for 30 days in your home today. If you don't love it, you can return it for a full refund. Visit www.tonal.com for $100 off the smart accessories when you use promo code TRIATHLETE at checkout. That's tonal.com, promo code TRIATHLETE. Tonal, be your strongest. Hello and welcome to Triathlete Live, presented by Tonal, the world's smartest home gym. My name is Emma Kate Lidberry and we are joined today by Miss Heather Jackson. Heather, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on. <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining us. How are you? Where are you today? You're back home in Bend or? Uh, we are actually back in Tucson, Arizona. So we left Bend in, um, I think it was end of August, uh, early September. Uh, we had some really bad fires up there. Like you couldn't even leave the house. I know you guys had some in Boulder as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, Wadi and I hopped in the car and drove south to Tucson. Um, and we've been here ever since. We didn't. We skipped Thanksgiving this year just with everything going on and not wanting to travel and bring it to family. So um, yeah, still here. And we flew in and out of here for uh, Challenge Daytona this last weekend. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about that. You obviously raced the PTO Championships this weekend in Daytona, Florida, and so and you finished twentieth, correct? Yes, 20th. <laughs> so how, yeah, tell us a little bit about that, because obviously biggest race of the year, pretty much the only race of the year, but um, yeah. it looked like, a, if, I mean, for us watching from home, it looked amazing, like a huge, you know, huge event. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how that went. Yeah, I think, I mean, I was just amazed at, you know, first off, them being able to hold the race, which I think was huge for a lot of pros who couldn't race the entire year. Um, but just how they handled it, I thought it was great. I felt very safe um, in terms of once we had arrived there. I honestly, to be honest, I, I really wasn't planning to go to the race until probably a week out. And that was purely just because I couldn't fathom traveling right now with everything going on. But for me, um, I met with my doctor and talked to my coach and everything and we made the decision to go. So for me, it was, it was less so about the race. I didn't necessarily, you know, prep as specifically or properly as I should have for the race itself. It was to be there and support what the PTO has done um, and what they're doing for our sport and for the professionals. And, and it was just, you know, uh, truly me being grateful at the chance to race. So it was, it was awesome to be there to see a lot of catch up with a lot of friends, get a race yeah. in and just kind of, yeah, be there. I think what the PTO is doing is it's nothing anyone's done and, and for 
me as a professional, this is my career. It's something that I want to support everything that they're doing. So, but the event was great. I mean, it was, it was super cool. Just even the fact that we got to ride our bikes on a, a race track, a NASCAR race track. So it was cool. Yeah, it was very cool to watch. It, it made triathlon, you know, it was very, very telegenic. You know, it was very, it was very easy to watch. The coverage was good. And I think a lot of people, I mean, obviously we've missed watching triathlon and we've missed watching the pros do their thing. So it was very cool to see. But um, yeah, we, and we definitely have a few questions for you around Daytona, but uh, we've had questions coming in all week via social, but also to remind people at home that this is a live show. Heather is with us for the next hour. So any questions you have for her, she will be here to answer them. Training, racing, off-season, whatever. But, um, yeah, so we'll kick off with a few that we've already had in from uh, social, which are some fun ones. But uh, So, Heather, when did you know that triathlon was something you wanted to pursue, and how did you know that? Ooh, good question. I So, quick background, I didn't obviously grow up swim, bike, and running. Um, I played soccer and ice hockey primarily and ice hockey through um, college, which I graduated in 2006. So um, it was actually after college that I got into triathlon or it was during college. A um, couple of the summers I was at home, but I joined my parents um, during one of those summers to go to a, just a local sprint triathlon in New Hampshire, which is where I grew up. And um, I was just addicted after that. It was like the first time I ever, I guess, raced myself. I always was on team sports with soccer, hockey, and even other team sports. So for me, it was this like, oh my gosh, like you're testing yourself. Like how fast can you go? So um, I think I would say I was hooked immediately. I didn't, I guess, decide to maybe pursue it until probably two or three years later. Um, after college, I had gotten a job out in California uh, moved cross country and I was teaching out there and really got into it then. So that was probably 2008, 2009 um, is when I started really uh, training seriously and trying to see progress and getting better and faster. And Yeah. So it's over well over a decade of racing. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. I feel like I just started. <laughs> you and I used to race. That was I know. Really there is an old picture of us at Clearwater 2010 World Champ. Yeah. World Champ. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Some people retire earlier than others. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Heather, we've got a lot of people saying hi. And Edson, who wants to know, what does your nutrition look like when you're not racing? <laughs> like now or when I'm <laughs> serious? Uh, oh, no, I think, I think he means <laughs> now. But uh, yeah, like, yeah, maybe we talk about the off season. Obviously, a lot of people, it's been a weird year, so people aren't really sure about what to do about the off season. Is it off season? Is it not? Uh, what are you What are you doing? And then to answer Edson's question, what's your nutrition look like when you're not racing? Yeah, I know it's so tough. It's I literally feel like I've been in this middle ground like the whole year, like not fully committing and locking down for a race, just because it's been so tough with thinking or knowing or being like 99% sure it's going to get canceled. It's really tough to just fully like lock in and put everything towards something when, you know, maybe two weeks out it's canceled. And so that's kind of that battle that I think I, I know I have. And I feel like so many people probably have, have struggled with this whole year. Um, so for me right now, nutrition wise, I mean, I'm pretty much like I'm all in or, 
not all out. I wouldn't say that. Wadi and I eat pretty healthily, um, like pretty just, I would say standard, basic, nothing like crazy, just, you know, for dinner, like a salad and a, a protein and sweet potatoes or it's, we're, yeah, very, very simple, very basic. Um, I'm not really watching too strictly right now, nor have I really all year this year. Um, that said, if we're eight weeks out from Oceanside or 12 weeks out from Kona, like I really focus in, get very much more serious and aware of everything I'm putting in. Like I'll cut out wine at night. I'll cut out desserts. I'll cut out certain things, not crazily, just, you know, for that little bit extra to get ready for say a Kona. But right now, um, yeah, pretty standard. I would say like nothing I can answer. Yeah. Certainly very specific questions, but, but it's very, you know, oatmeal for breakfast, maybe some eggs or toast, a salad or sandwich at lunch. And then, kind of usually pretty simple dinners of a vegetable, a salad, and some sort of protein. Yeah, it was fun. We had uh, Tio and Rini on last month for the show, and uh, it sounded like Tio was still drinking his wine every night, but he was <laughs> definitely... I don't do that. I don't normally do that, but, uh, you know... Yeah. I don't do that in the build-up to Kona, but, uh, you know, given that yeah. we've got no races happening, then... Yeah. I know. I'm joking with... I saw him actually after Daytona. <laughs> We were out having some wine and I was like, well, it took a race for me to really, I didn't have wine the all last week leading into the race. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like finally something to like lock down for. <laughs> so Rex wants to know what's the one healthy food you can't live without. Ooh, one healthy food. I don't think ice cream counts here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Does ice cream? Does chocolate count? <laughs> Wine is grapes. <laughs> no, I eat, I would say I eat a lot of eggs. I'm also a huge fan of arugula, which is, I don't know where that came from. I think I have to attribute that to Lindsay Corbin because she, we would, when she was here training for Kona, we'd have eggs and then a breakfast salad after a swim every day. And it was like arugula, tomato, mozzarella, balsamic vinaigrette. And it got me hooked on that. So I've Very like cool. continued that. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay's one of the most impressive uh, triathlete foodies around, I think. She's she's written a bunch of recipes for us, and they've always been really popular. So, uh, yeah, that's good company to keep. Good yeah, training exactly. partner, also a good foodie partner. <laughs> uh, next question we have for you is, what's your weekly training schedule typically look like? I mean, I'm guessing that's changed quite a bit you know, this year, but um, what's a typical training schedule look like for you each week? Yeah, it's definitely shifted. I mean, I guess I would say there's always been those basic key days. Um, I started working with Ryan Bolton this past January. So it's been like a year now um, working with him. And I would say it was similar layout to what I've done in the past, but some of the efforts or intervals or lengths of things are different. But uh, Mondays are usually um, kind of an easy day. So either just swim or swim and a lift or swim, lift and a spin, maybe a light jog. Um, but very Mondays, Fridays are usually light. So those are pretty flexible. Like if you're feeling super thrashed, just go do a light swim. Or if you feel fine and it's just kind of building into something, then you can add in that one hour spin or 90 minute spin or a light 30 minute jog in the afternoon. So light. Um, Tuesdays have been a hard swim and then a hard run. Um, for me this year, I've been really working on my run. So it's been longer efforts, longer intervals. Um, a good chunk of the year, I've been doing hill reps on Tuesdays. 
Um, so eight by eight hundreds as a sample, like, um, Wednesday has been a swim and then a longer ride. So, um, some days that's three or four hours, a couple days this year, it was like nine. <laughs> so, wow. um, and then Thursday is back to a key swim and another run, which if Tuesdays was hills, then Thursday's been like tempo work or kind of more sustained efforts. Friday's light again, and then the weekend's usually bigger. So just get up, long ride, six, seven, eight, nine hours. Um, I think the biggest thing with Ryan this year, and, and also for me, the opportunity I've been able to train down here in Tucson with Ben Hoffman quite a bit, which has been really awesome. Just, um, well, one, just to have someone to train with. Wadi comes on all my rides as well, but um, yeah, just to have that um, athlete also working under the same coach. So we put in some like crazy rides and then maybe a, 30 minute jog off and then Sundays usually long run and recovery swim. So Very standard cool. week. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And how long have you been working with Ryan? Cause I know he's helped a lot of, I mean, he's obviously a great triathlon coach, but he does have that real keen eye for improving running too, doesn't he? And I know he's obviously helped Sam Long. He's obviously helped Ben Hoffman. He's obviously helped you, your running. What's what, how's that, How's that changed? Yeah, you know, you've been working with him what this for this year or how long? How long? Have you been yeah, just this, just this year. So we met with him last January, and I mean, really, yeah, the key thing was I've seen what he's done with Hoff and Sam. Um, he also spends a lot of time here in Tucson, um, coming over from Santa Fe. So I really liked that part that he would be here for different camps and have kind of that more hands-on and and primarily the Kona lead-in. Um, so that was huge, and then yeah, like. You, you just said the running aspect. I mean, he's coached Caro, the Boston marathon champion and other like very high level runners. And for me, I mean, the swim will always be a work in progress and I'm putting time in for that. But for me, the run is where I really do feel I haven't shown myself over the marathon distance. Um, so, and also where I think I could maybe get, the time that little bit extra time that I haven't in the past. So those were kind of the things that led me to Ryan and yeah, we met with him and I was super impressed and it's been, yeah, it's been an amazing year working with him. And I really, I guess my biggest bummer of this year has obviously been just a hard year in general is just not having um, that chance to, I guess, test the marathon work I've done. I was hoping to be at Ironman Arizona um, just because we could drive up from Tucson that was kind of a key kind of time frame that would have been great. I put in a massive block in August, September, October. So that was, I would say, the biggest bummer. But I know it doesn't just disappear. And I'll look forward to yeah, testing that marathon hopefully soon, <laughs> sometime. Yeah. Well, on that on that note, Megan wants to know, what are your favorite speed workouts for bike and for run? Speed. Ooh. So on the bike, I like kind of shorter, um, short, like super hard efforts. And, um, what did I do a couple weeks ago? We did one where it was like three minutes, very hard. Um, like way above threshold. I'm trying, I don't know the easiest way to describe, like I'm, I am a numbers person somewhat, but not really. So I'm bad with specifics, but it was like three minutes, what you can hold for three minutes into two minutes, um, not like easy, like you still have to hold that kind of hard, uncomfortable, I, I would say maybe like an Ironman level pace, 
Mm -hmm. Um, so that like kind of grindy, but not, not like VO2 all out into two minutes all out. So like those three minuteers, those two minuteers, um, and then I think it was two minutes rest after each of those. And you just do rounds of that, like four or five, six rounds. Like you just keep going. So it makes an hour go by really fast and it's really hard Ooh. work, <laughs> but um, you get that intensity in. So that would be, I guess, kind of more my speed, speed session on a bike would be yeah, two, three. We do a couple pyramid um, workouts. We do like a 40, 20 set. So 40 seconds all out into 20 seconds easy. You, do that for say 15 minutes straight um and then rounds of that so i guess those are some of the go-tos um for the running um we've been doing kind of the same this year which is different than me like i used to do pretty i would say standard run workouts um just like warm up and then maybe like an eight by one mile or eight by one k repeats and with ryan it's a lot more of being able to really hold that marathon pace and then be able to add in that speed work within like a long, hard grinding run, which then makes the marathon eventually feel not easier, but that pushes that pace down. So I'm no longer, we've done a few speed workouts for sure, but it's more like I'll go out for a 20 mile run and I need to do one mile at sub six minute mile pace and then settle into say six thirty miles and then get back down under six, like 14 miles later. So it's really kind of, yeah, pushing you yep. like much further along in a long run versus just doing that straight up speed work. Um, yeah. That sounds pretty tasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does not feel good. <laughs> but I'm sure that helps you get ready for, yeah, if you're, for your marathon training. I'm sure that is that sounds wonderful, like perfect for what you need to be doing. And obviously also that mental boost too that you that you want to take into a race like, like Kona. But. Yeah, exactly. For mental side, it's like, okay, I've done this every Sunday this whole year now. So like I'm ready. It's just like any other Sunday. And I think to have that mental side for me will be huge because I've always gone into them like, oh my God, I've only run know 18 miles like what I have never done the last eight in in training and doubt yourself you think you can't even do it like you don't have and for me like now it's just been like oh I see 20 miles on Sunday or 22 miles and I'm like yeah okay um what pace is he expecting and then I'm like it's shifted to that now and like every week he kind of not I wouldn't say it's every week in a row but it's like he's very strategic like he's like pushing the pace down like oh this week he's expecting six 40s oh this week it's he has me down to 635 it's like it's kind of been this like sneaky progression where I'm like (laughs) (laughs) so talking to training and you're obviously sat in front of your tonal there you're a tonal sponsored athlete tell us a little bit about how you incorporate your tonal into your workouts into your training week what you do and how that goes yeah oh man I mean I know this is sponsored by tonal but I would say this whether it was or not, like, I feel so lucky that they reached out this year. Um, and because I, yeah, honestly, wasn't even aware of them or, or knew what it was. I think with COVID this year, the, that it's like shot up in popularity as it should, because I don't know that I'll ever go back to a regular gym now <laughs> because oh, wow. like you have this essentially a gym in your house and like, you don't have to travel. You don't have to like get in your car 
And like for us, we've had to reserve gym times um, just to be able to go. So to have that ease and that convenience here, um, it's been like a game changer because it makes you lift, I think, or stay on top of, say, stretching. For me, it's been lifting. I usually lift Mondays and Fridays on my lighter days. And um, yeah, you can do any lift you would normally do at the gym um, on your tonal. And then you don't even have to think about it. It makes it especially days when you're struggling to maybe get your lift in or you're just tired. It's like actually yeah. fun. If you have a coach before you like telling you exactly what to do. So for me, that's been the biggest thing. Also, it's like, there are a bunch of like stretching Pilates yoga, um, which more so in the off season, I'd say I love to sit. Corbs and I were on a really big yoga kick like last off season, but obviously that's all, pretty much shut down now and going to like a yoga studio, but I can just do it right here in our living room, which for me is awesome just to get that stretch and get your body recovered for the next day. Meet Tonal, the world's smartest home gym. Tonal learns your style and adapts, helping you become your strongest. Try Tonal for 30 days in your home today. Visit tonal.com for $100 off the smart accessories when you use promo code triathlete at checkout. That's tonal.com, promo code triathlete. Tonal, be your strongest. And will you do any heavy lifting and that kind of thing um, over the winter? Yeah, so that'll start up pretty much now. I'm, I'm kind of taking, um, yeah, probably the next couple of weeks pretty light, just more so for like a mental break, I think, than physical. It's so yeah. tough because I feel like I had that big lead in to anything. Um, that gives you kind of that like long progressive build building, like in terms of fitness and where you need that break. I don't feel like I'm there. I'm just like, Oh, I've been doing just kind of this. I wouldn't say base training all year, but kind of this ongoing type of training. And I never had that race to like, granted I got to race this weekend, which I'm super grateful for, but like that Ironman test out, what I've been working on. So for me, it's, um, I'll take two weeks more just for mental resetting and it's the holidays and it's like, there's nothing to rush to get ready for right now, but then yeah, I'll settle back into really working on the swim and that lifting, getting the body ready for next year. So heavy lifting, um, I'll probably up it to like three times a week instead of two, um, and just build the muscles back up now before you start breaking them down, um, as the season gets going. Yeah. So we've got a question from Kirby who wants to know, what are your plans for your off season? Will you stay in Tucson and hit the lemon QOM or head back to Bend and hit the powder? <laughs> the lemon QOM. Oh my goodness. That was like the QOM of the year, wasn't it? It's like... <laughs> That's going to be tough to get from Paula. Paula is like that one. Yeah. So the QOM, she, it took her what? One thirty-five, I think. So, and then Daytona this weekend, she rode like a 150 or something. I feel like that is literally like her, like just her window, her wheelhouse right there, that 140-ish bike. She yeah. can just crush it. So happy for her this weekend. But Yeah, um, that was superb to see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, but yeah, so literally Wadi and I are trying to figure out what we're doing because um, obviously we just got back from Daytona two days ago. And so 
we're just pretty much isolating right now. I mean, we had to fly there. So um, we're really, yeah, at home. Basically, we have a COVID test here Friday. They said to wait like three to five days just to make sure. Um, And then we would potentially drive up to Bend for the holidays, which we've got like a, yeah, maybe two weeks now, right? Or 10 days. So hopefully it would be safe by then. And then um, we would drive. So um, that's potentially our plans just to be there. We miss Thanksgiving. So I would love to be with my family um, for Christmas. But at the same time, it's if I got a family member, my parents sick, I would be yeah, just devastated. So um, we may drive up. Um, we may wait a little bit longer. I feel like we're seeing the end of the tunnel potentially. I know vaccines are starting. Um, so I'm very optimistic. I'm just trying to stay positive with that. So we may just delay, I guess, our holidays and push them, um, and drive up a little bit later. We'd love to get some snowboarding in for sure. Um, I think Mount Bachelor is running things a little bit differently this year. So it can be, might be tricky to get up to that anyways. So we could be here in Tucson, at least for the next, say, yeah, month or so, um, and maybe pop up there when we can. Um, but no real plans just to, yeah, stay healthy, stay, um, just taking things over. And it is actually beautiful and sunny out here, so I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want. Also, people are interested in um, in Paula and Daytona because obviously a lot of people are familiar with the fact that you guys were quarantining together and been training together a lot this year. So uh, they're asking, what was it like to see Paula win? You've obviously, yeah, you've, you've spent a lot of time together this year. So yeah, t- talk to us oh, about that. I, ugh, I like still get like goosebumps, like watching her, like seeing that. I mean, it's like, I know how nervous she was. Like that was for her, she's been prepping like so seriously. And I mean that in the best of ways for months getting ready for this race. And she, um, I think people responded to this year differently. Everyone was so individual of like, can you like focus in on a race that maybe isn't going to happen? Can you, and she was just locked in. Like she, prep for this race and she was so nervous um before in the days leading up and like the swim start I I talked to her super briefly but it was like I think the races that like you get prepped for and you put all in and they're some of the best girls in the world most of the best girls in the world were there and she was like towing the line against them knowing she could do what she could do on that day but it doesn't mean that it is ever it's going to happen like you can be the fittest of your life and maybe something happens on the bike or something goes wrong and so when it comes together I think it just is that much more special because yeah when you're racing the best in the world everything has to come together on the day and it happened for her and I couldn't like there isn't a better person that it could have happened to on that day one race of the year that all eyes were on it everyone was getting to see it and like just knowing how hard she worked the entire year to get to where she is now and just having struggled with injuries in the past and she's been injury free all year, which is just so huge for her. So hopefully that for me as a friend of hers, it's like hopefully that confidence for her continues on and she can stay healthy and, and just roll with where she's at now because it's, yeah, she's, yeah, is amazing. Like if she can stay healthy, she's one of the best on the, on the earth. (laughs) Yeah. And when you think about what she has, you know, if you look back over her career, you know, 2012 London Olympics, you know, you think back to what she was going through then. And so, so yeah. to see her not only like come through that, 
but hang in there and then work to this has been I think has been made it extra special and it's yeah very cool to see very very cool and she's super humble and like never believes in herself and like all year it's like Paula you're like a badass like (laughs) believe in yourself like I feel like I'm always like I remember when I first got in the sport watching her when she was probably what like 16 or yeah she was so young yeah like prior to the Gwen Jorgensen era like that it was like the Paula Finley era and I remember watching that in ITU like she was just and I loved her I loved her and Sam McGlone because when I came from ice hockey and they were like the full Canadian red fiery redheads and I was like oh yeah those girls are like rad and then yeah Obviously, when you're injured um, or struggling with injuries, you can lose kind of that confidence in yourself or belief. And I just hope that, yeah, this year and this race, like she has found that again because, yeah, she's so good. <laughs> yeah. And that's a super cool way to close out the year, too, you know, from a confidence point of view, point of view and then to be able to go into the into the winter and spring, knowing that you've got like that that performance that you've unlocked and then it's like, wow, what, what will she do next year you know, with that fitness and that confidence? I think that's a potent combination, especially for somebody, an athlete of her talent. But yeah. yeah. Um, so a few people have been asking about your gravel racing this year. Um, tell us a little bit about that. And do you, you know, how did it help your training? Did it hurt? We had a question about, did it hurt your training? Did it hurt your race in Daytona? I don't think, I don't think that was probably the case, but um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your gravel experience. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I don't think it hurt Daytona. I mean, like I mentioned, I wasn't targeting Daytona. So I was going to support the PTO. Um, yeah. I think it helped my Ironman training, which again, I didn't get to show at Arizona, but gravel racing and gravel riding is like, it's, I think it's huge. And I will continue it next year. It's, it's like strength riding. It'd be like, if you're going out on your bike and you have to do big gear efforts. I mean, it's, it's a different type of riding when you're on dirt, it's more grinding. And then if you can layer on top of that with some speed work, um, I think it, it helps a ton. Like just, yeah, again, at that, I think longer that Daytona is not a good example, but, um, I think it was huge. And yeah, I got one race in the Belgian waffle ride in Cedar city, uh, which was cool. It was like hundred and almost 125 miles. And, it was, yeah, long day in the saddle at, yeah, it was almost seven hours. So, and at, that was six weeks out from Arizona. So on top of that, I was adding in following it TT efforts. And I thought that it helped huge. Like I'd go out for a five hour ride and it felt like nothing. So, yeah. um, I yeah, like it. 125 miles on gravel is, is no joke. Like that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's big. Mm-hmm. Are there other races that you've got lined up, gravel races that you've got lined up for next year or? Um, I'm, I'm in to DK, which is now called unbound. Yeah, so yeah. that's a 200 mile ride. Um, yeah. that's tentatively on there right now. Obviously we haven't, uh, seen what schedule is coming out, um, in terms of the triathlon side for races. So yeah, hopefully it fits in, um, to kind of prep for a full, I would do whether that's maybe a quarter lane end of June or a Lake Placid, um, something like that and just test out something like that doing DK or unbound. Sorry. Um, I looked up the female winner has done it in like, I think 10 hours, maybe nine or 10. So picture doing it like a grindy 10 hour race on a gravel bike and then getting on your TT bike, like four and a half hours is going to feel like nothing. So (laughs) 
Yeah, I would imagine that will give you some serious strength and muscular endurance doing that <laughs> doing that race. But yeah, and some of the women who are at the pointy end of that race are serious badass. Like that's yeah, yeah that's no exactly. that. <laughs> yeah, um, and then what do you yeah, and what do you think about gravel racing for triathletes? Like it's it's a very different community, isn't it? I mean, or the the feel of gravel racing is very different. I think I think compared to triathlon. Is it something that you'll see, you, th- you think you'll see a lot more triathletes come over into? I think so. I think even, I mean, we had a really, at least with our Wadi Engage group um, teams, like our GCP, our lead team and hit squad, we had quite a few people that were at BWR, which was so awesome just to see that transfer over. And I think more and more people are maybe getting more curious about it of just, yeah. um, maybe not replacing triathlon, but it should, or not should, but it could just easily supplement it. I mean, you add that in as one of your long rides on a weekend um, instead of going out and TTing. I mean, it's not going to take away. You certainly have to like practice and train in your TT bars, but um, you can't replace that sort of race effort. And like I'm saying that strength riding um, yeah, as you're training. So, and I think just people it's, it's fun. It's like way more laid back. It's um, it's, I don't want to say it's not as serious, but it's not as, um, I, anything could happen. Like you could get a flat so easily. There's so many other factors. It's almost like Xterra where yeah. you can be super fit, but like you might have bike mechanical, you might go through a muddy section and like, that's going to affect certain people differently than others. Like there's so many other factors than just pure fitness on the day, Yeah, which I think sure. can take a lot of stress off or a lot of like of that pressure. Cause anything could happen. So you can't get too like as wrapped up as I think something you have control over everything. Um, yeah. That, so yeah. I think it's fun it, and it adds like something, yeah, mixes things up. You can, you don't want to burn out or get bored on, okay, here we go again. I've got the same workout again. Yeah. Like, same six hour ride. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're like this one. This question was Heather is always so happy. What's the secret to happiness? And do you still smile in hard sessions? <laughs> <laughs> I also smile when I get super nervous, so that probably <laughs> on interviews. <laughs> oh man, I think uh, I want to give credit to my parents because I feel like they are just—if anyone who's met my parents are just super happy and always smiling—and I'm gonna say they passed it down because I think it is partly genetic. It's just I try to be very yeah optimistic about everything even Wadi would say that because he's probably the opposite I always have to be like what like what are you talking about this is like (laughs) fine or I don't know so I think it's partly natural um yeah I don't have any secrets I just yeah I always try to just like there's always something worse like even today like I went to the pool and I was like I'm tired still this might hurt because I'm working with a new swim coach and I'm actually swimming with some ITU girls and I was like driving along and there was like this homeless camp along the riverbank. Uh, we have like a river path here in Tucson and they were like out. It was freezing this morning. And like that, like there, I always try to be like, like there's so many positives to be in every situation. Like, Oh, you think you're going to hurt at a swim practice right now? Like really like wake up. There's so many other things like much worse right now. So yeah. it's just, yeah, I think having the, yeah. Shifting, your mindset when you find yourself being down or negative or you don't want to do something or you're in a bad mood it's like okay yeah. snap out of it there's so many other things yeah for sure oh this might be this might be a good one you might like this 
Marcel wants to know if you've ever run into the wrong transition tent. <laughs> and I think this can segue into best mistakes you've made in a race. But yeah, so first, ask, let's answer Marcel's question. But uh, yeah, have you ever run into the wrong transition tent? Uh, he, yes. <laughs> I'm like, you must know that that's the truth. Because the first Ironman I ever did, I ran into the guy's tent and they were like screaming at me like, wrong transition tent. Oh no. Was anybody that naked? <laughs> I was so like spun out. I didn't even see. <laughs> All I heard was my name being called and they're like, wrong tent. <laughs> Oh no. Um, okay. So tell us some other mistakes you've made in, in races. Oh, I feel like I've made like all the basic ones, like trying a new kit on race day or say new shoes when you haven't tested them. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, you haven't worn that kit before and the chamois sit, sits differently. So you're just like fully ripped up down there. Like, um, trying like throwing your nutrition plan out the window because you're like, focused in on the race versus like, okay, you, you do this nutrition every time. Like, why did you just switch it on race day? But <laughs> no matter how many times people say that, like, don't change anything on race day. Like it's a blows my mind that like, I would still do that. It, or, and meaning I've done that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, so you were just mentioning swimming. And one of the questions we had in on social this week was, uh, give me one tip to become a better swimmer. So you've obviously worked a lot on your swimming. So, but yeah, talk to us about talk to us about your swimming. I mean, that face you just pulled. You don't, you don't like swimming. That. <laughs> I mean, I've made progress. I feel like it's just been so slow and so like not remarkable. I mean, I know there's been progress. I used to. I think my first couple Ironmans, I was swimming one ten or above, and then I got it down to one oh five, and then. Now it, I'll typically get anywhere from like a 57 to an hour, depending on the course or wetsuit or not. But like, I feel like I've been stagnant there for a, a while. And then you see people like a Sarah Crowley, who's gone from a 104 down to like, she's in that front group, like not Lucy and Lauren, but like a 53 group. So it's how you make that jump. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to find, but um, I think it's just consistency. This year has been tough. Like our Ben pool was, it reopened, but you had to book 40 minute slots, um, way ahead of time. They would book up a week out. So I, I wasn't swimming most of the summer and into the fall. Once I got down to Tucson, been able to be a little bit more consistent, but I think that's key. I mean, more than I would say the bike and run, um, even yeah. just getting water. Like I'm out of the pool for three, four days. Um, and I'm back at square one. So especially, especially for non-swimmers or people who are struggling to find that improvement. It, I think even if you make the time to just get to the pool for even 20 minutes, like yeah, whatever that takes you, sure. I mean, whether you can get a K in in that or like 500 yards, like it, I think it's worth it. And even if it just sets you up for the next day when maybe you have longer to get there and get a workout in just that consistency every day. Um, and that will progress on it on itself. Um, but yeah, I don't have too many tips. I've worked on my stroke. I've gone to different coaches. I've, um, yeah, it's, it's so tough because everyone's so different and I don't think there's one right answer of like, okay, you pull this way or bring your arm over that way. Or, um, it's a combo. You have to work on the technique and then you also have to just work on the fitness in the water. And then also you add in the racing aspect, which 
is a whole other beast of being comfortable, like getting hit at the start or being surrounded by people or getting, you know, on feet or. <laughs> yeah. I think so I think there's a lot to be said for frequency, like you say, frequency of training and then also getting used to being in open water and dealing with that. Cause on race day, that's so different to anything you do in the pool. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So we had a question about you and bananas. <laughs> people asking why why were you always carrying a banana in races what's the deal with the banana that's a random question but I thought I'd throw it your way it seemed funny no that started at Lake Placid two years ago because everyone thinks I ran with one banana the whole time but I actually yeah. had like two or three different ones during that race but it's like I actually worked with um Jesse Kropelnicki of QT2 probably it's been a while now but Part of, and that was on the nutrition side because I was struggling in Ironmans every single race. I'd have to go to the bathroom on the run. And so that is like an art in itself of learning how to like fully clear yourself in the morning and then not, you know, loading your stomach up certain ways that, um, yeah, you have to go midway through the run. So um, part of it was mostly liquid calories on the bike um, where I had been doing a lot of more solid foods than uh, or prior to that and then the banana is just you have it in transition and you run out with it and if your stomach is so full or like sloshy or kind of that gross feeling from kind of the electrolyte drinks all day long that the banana helps like soak up all those liquids and so for me actually placid that was the only solid i was taking in on the run like i grab water um at the aid stations near the end i started grabbing coke but the banana was my yeah fuel for the run and it i think it's good because it's it you can swallow it down super easy but it soaks up more than say more gel putting more gels in your stomach but you have banana and water and then coke at the end and that was it for the marathon on that day yeah i wouldn't oh. say normal thing but like my stomach was i had taken in so much like herbalife electrolytes the whole bike that my stomach was just kind of a mess and I couldn't fathom grabbing more sugary drink. And so the banana yeah. was kind of this like buffer. Um, yeah. The banana buffer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, people, we've got 15 more minutes. So keep your questions rolling in for Heather while she's still with us. And uh, yeah, she's she is literally answering all the questions as random as they might be. So uh, Robert wants to know, how do you design your kits? They are awesome. Oh, thank you. I have to give most credit to Wadi. He's the creative one. He's very, yeah, he always comes up with the designs. Um, so I'm lucky to have him for that. But usually it's like, we'll see like, okay, what colors are going to 18's bike next year? Or like what Hoka shoes are coming out? Or what are the colors for their race flats next year? And then try to like yeah. work something together with all those. So it's cohesive. And then yeah. Um, the yellow bike two years ago, that was a play off of the banana race. <laughs> we went all yellow. <laughs> so, okay. And, and how often do you strength train and how often do you, you use your tonal each week? Um, right now it's been two days a week, um, that I'll use the, well, for, for lifting two days a week, I'll use the tonal Monday, Friday. Um, I'll add in a third day in the next couple of weeks, once I get kind of back on a schedule and then, but I use it, you know, maybe another couple of days a week, just I'll put on, <clears throat> excuse me, 
like one of the yoga sessions or one of the stretching um, or just even meditation sessions. And they just have like 20 minute classes or they have some longer ones too, like a 45 minute yoga class. So I've been doing those the last couple of weeks, just, you know, I'll be super tight or sore and want to stretch, stretch out. And instead of me just like laying on the floor doing that, like I'll put that on and it, they run you right through it. So that's been, yeah. In addition to my, my standard week. And we've had a question about your favorite race course or your favorite race. Oh man. I, well, the, my favorite race, just what I look forward to and look forward to the prep for it is Kona. But I would say my favorite course was wildflower. Maybe yeah. one day it will come back. Um, Placid is up there. And then what I've recently added to the list after last year, last summer was Ironman Spain. That race was amazing. Oh, yeah. You raced so, in Barcelona? You raced? It was in uh, Vitoria. Oh, so right. So like yeah. northern Spain, like Basque Country. It's where um, Enrico Lanos is from. Yep. It, yeah. It was such a cool course. I never experienced anything like it. So it's it's not one that I think would maybe like – especially maybe U.S.-based triathletes, like, think, like, oh, maybe I'll go to a Frankfurt or a Roth or a, you know, it's, last year was the first year, but it's, it's worth looking at if you're looking for a destination, like, European one. It was so cool. <laughs> Very cool, yeah. So what, have you got as far as planning races for next year? And are there any that you're particularly honing in on or looking forward to? Or is that too... It's kind of, I mean... Well, obviously Kona is the goal, but um, I don't think there are many released yet or like which ones. So there are obviously the races, but then they announce kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, roll out like which ones have the pro field. So um, Oceanside, I usually start there just because it gives me that, you know, start date. Like, okay, this is what I'm getting ready for. You know, I can start Jan 1st and build up. I've got whatever, three months. So I usually use that as a starting point. Um, yep. And then I'll definitely be at um, Herbalife 24 LA try, which is May 16th. That's a definite. Um, that's a super cool one. If you've never done, you get to ride through all of downtown LA shut down. Yeah. So pretty cool. Um, and then... Yeah, I'm kind of, I guess, waiting for the Ironman schedule to be released for the full distance ones. And that's kind of what you work back from. So if it's like a Cordeline or a Placid or I guess I, I'm not really thinking international travel will be like too up and running yet. So my guess is it'll be because otherwise I would say Spain would be on my definite like looking at that one. But I'm guessing like a Cordeline I can just drive to from Ben. So yeah. We've got a, um, a lot of Watty team, Watty Inc team members saying hi to you. So uh, you got some fan, you got some fans watching. Oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, next question: Do you coach, and what is your future goal? Ooh, uh, that's my perfect lead-in. I do want to coach. I haven't coached, <laughs> but maybe coming soon. Uh huh. Stay tuned, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So have you thought beyond, yeah. So have you thought future goals, future plans? What's, what's that, what's that look like? Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely thinking about it. I know I'm not the young, young chicken anymore. So <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, I guess my not shorter term, but 
for me, it was, I figured I have like two to three more Konas like at the top level left. And one of them was this year, which is kind of a bummer, but <laughs> so whether that's another couple more Konas where the, that is literally like the, the goal focus, obviously. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, Wadi and I've talked about coaching, about running camps, about continuing with, um, we have an amazing team program right now and thanks to all, everyone who's watching. Um, but just being able to, it, that team started because we could be like very much involved in the first couple of years. It was like a lot of just our friends and family and a lot of like homestays we've had at races, just everyone that was on this team and now it's grown and um, it's been tough to be as involved with it just with crazy race schedule and sponsor stuff. And so to get back more involved with that, put on more camps, um, I definitely want to coach at some point. Um, um, that would probably be the next um, intermediate goal, I would say for, um, I guess, as my career starts to wind down. So um, yeah, that's, I guess, the initial. And then we also obviously have Wadi Inc. that Wadi mainly runs right now, but I could get more involved in helping with our clothing brand. Yeah. And potentially um, still even staying on with a lot of my other sponsors like Herbalife. Um, I've already spoken with about doing stuff even post-career with them, <clears throat> which would be awesome. I've been with them now for, yeah, 10 years almost. So. <laughs> oh, wow. That's very cool. Uh, one of the questions we just had in from Facebook is how is van life coming along? I haven't officially announced it yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, we did get a van. So we have yet just, to... I think you just officially did announce it. There you go. I, I've announced it to like our team. So they probably already did. Um, but yeah, we got a van probably a month ago. But we um, have... Wadi's been like redoing some of the insides. So it's already built out. Already has electrical lights, solar panels. Uh, it's similar to Eric and Paula's. But um, the bed we bought it already done from a guy in Portland. The bed was too low to get our bikes underneath, which is where you have to store them. And so we had to rip out the bed. And Wadi had ordered um, like this slider tray to put the fork mounts onto this tray so you can pull it out of the back and then put the, <clears throat> the bikes on it and slide it back under the bed. And the tray was supposed to be here like three weeks ago. And I'm assuming because of COVID, it still hasn't gotten here. So the bed is not yet back in, but once the slider comes, we put the bed in and then we're going to do the full reveal. So. Oh, very cool. <laughs> uh, another question we had in from Facebook was, will you change anything for next year? And I don't know what anything means, but uh, I don't know. Training plans, race plans, coaches. I don't know. Um, well, I'm changing, uh, Argon 18 launched a new bike. So I was not able to get onto it prior to Daytona, but the next like month is me switching over to that. So that'll be cool. It's <clears throat> yeah, it's awesome. So just getting fit on that, trying to always, obviously always working on getting more aero, getting faster on the bike that way. So changing the bike, um, no, yeah, no coaching changes. That's for sure. Continuing work with Ryan. Um, we're actually meeting early next week to <clears throat> kind of lay out maybe what we're thinking schedule wise, but, um, that's just dialing in certain races, obviously. Um, 
yeah, nothing crazy. I have a new sponsor announcement coming soon, which is like super excited about, but I can't say it yet. <laughs> um, nothing too crazy. I mean, yeah, I'm always one of those ones. It's like, if something's working, like don't, don't change it. Yeah. So I'm always like super resistant to change. Like, okay, this Ironman in this time of year always works for me, my recovery and then lead into like, it's, I get in my patterns and it, yeah, I know it works. So I think it's a yeah, mental approach. I know it. I stick to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we've got just under five minutes left. So if you've got any final questions for Heather, then please do fire them our way and we'll put them to her. But um, yeah, one of the, one of the questions we had was that was interesting was how is life as a pro athlete during the pandemic? Oh, it's tough. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like it's tough. Like it's tough mentally as a professional, like this is your career and your job is to be like training hard as hard as you can every single day, getting prepped for these events that you have to showcase your, your job at. And so like when you don't have the racing, um, it's more a meant, it was just kind of a mental struggle of like, okay, I mean, yeah, you don't want to burn out in a year when there's no racing. So to be all like some people approach it differently. You have people that kind of kept things mellow, kept things very like not intense. You have someone like a Sam Long who, and I'm, Wadi and I are really good friends with him and I love him and I love what he's done this whole year in terms of like, yeah, he's just been so fired up at progress and progressing as an athlete. And, um, but he's young, like he's 23 or four. I mean, I think everyone is so different. You have more people who've been in the sport much longer and they, for them, maybe this year is a good break. It's like a mental recharge. You have the athletes yeah. that are coming up and they're fired up and they have this freedom to like <clears throat> explore different training um, types or, or, you know, different, go after different things like say Sam has done. So it's, I think it was very personal and individual. Um, for me, it was, definitely a struggle of like not having that goal to go for, um, and go all in for it. Um, but I also enjoyed like just honing in and practice. I was <clears throat> really working on the run all year. And so I really, I'm so, when I look back on this year, I'm like, okay, I know I did what I could there and yeah, can't wait to really show that. But in terms of like, I honestly felt I was almost busier than a race year because you're, we were trying to do so many things also for our sponsors to really, I guess, not justify their continued support, but you want to give to them when it's tough for them to say market or do things in a year with no racing as well. So for instance, the YouTube videos or um, yeah. different things you can be doing to support your sponsors who are supporting you in a year where they're struggling as well. So it's, it was, yeah, more of a, almost finding those things and, and putting time and effort into those more than I would have, um, in like a very crazy race year. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, your go-to mantra during a race or when training gets hard. Go-to is, um, usually it's something like do it because you can, like I think of the people that can't or the people that might be injured or they couldn't be at the race or they're sick or, um, yeah, it's like, you think this hurts, like this doesn't even compare to what so-and-so is going through. Or, you know, if you have a friend that's struggling or you have, um, yeah, something like that, where it's like, you think you're hurting right now, but 
this is nothing compared to the pain they're going through. And then, yeah. so something like that, that's, I always go there and then keep pu pushing through. <laughs> okay. With two, two last questions for you. Go to psych up song. <sighs> What's the music that you listen to right before the start, like you know, right before the, the Kona start? Well, I would always say pink before. And I, uh, it's like any pink song really, but I said this on a different call I had, it might've been with our team like a week or two ago of, there's like a song out, it's called Roses, and it's by, well, the original is by St. John, but it's a remix by, and it's Amana Beck. I don't know if that's how you say it, but if I guarantee you put it in iTunes or whatever music platform, it'll come up. But it's like, try running to it. Okay. Well, I'm going to go for a run after this, so I'll try that. <laughs> okay. And last question for you, it's a toughie, but what is the greatest movie ever made, according to Heather Jackson? Okay, not according to Wadi because that is an easy <laughs> one. Dance with Wolves. <laughs> Greatest movie. Oh, that's so good. I don't know. I feel like oh, Goodfellas. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first. Gladiator. I've got so many. <laughs> Okay, Heather, that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to everybody at home who stuck with us during our technical difficulties. Uh, that isn't usually how we roll live, but it happens. Uh, hey, it's 2020, right? Last show of 2020, it had to, it had to happen. Um, and thank you, obviously, to, uh, to Tonal for sponsoring the show and for supporting this month's Triathlete Live. Uh, thank you very much, Heather. Enjoy your holidays. Thank you, you too. See you guys. Thank you, Heather, for joining us. And thank you for listening. That was our last show for 2020. We'll be back in 2021 and we look forward to seeing you then.